Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm your host, Jared Weich. With me this week, pregnant pause, is no one. Uh, solo show this week, Dom wasn't able to make it, wasn't able to land a guest, but I'm doing this one solo. Not sure how long this podcast will be, I don't know how long I can go talking about video games by myself, but we couldn't miss a week, there was plenty of news to talk about, especially with EA Play. So... Here's the thing. We're going to start with the rundown, get into the EA Play recap and reactions, and then I'll give my thoughts on some of the games I've been playing. Unsure yet, I haven't been able to get to the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC, the Isle of Armor, or Last of Us Part 2 yet, as of recording this uh, on Friday morning, that being June 19th. And uh, if I'm able to get some game time in with them before I need to edit this and put it together, I might splice them in towards the end of the show as well. So we'll see what happens there. Completely spoiler free, by the way, for both of those things. If they end up making the show, but yeah, at the end of the day, who knows if that's going to happen. Let's get into the rundown here. So first up, this came out of nowhere following the EA Play recap, uh, EA Play. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, was leaked via Taiwan Ratings. Assumedly being revealed on June 22nd uh, via one of Jeff Keighley's Summer of Gaming events or Summer Game Fest. I always get the two confused with IGN. It's going to be coming to PS4 and Xbox One and Series X as of the time of recording this. We don't know if it's going to have a PS5 version, but the box art for the Xbox version had both Xbox One and Series X. And PS4 only had the PS4, or sorry, the PlayStation version only had the PlayStation 4 SKU. We're assuming it'll probably be a PS5 version. Um, interestingly enough, it was assumed that this new game might end up being a PlayStation exclusive because of the ties of Crash to the Sony platform for so long. But it looks like, from what is being shown uh, via this ratings leak, that we're going to be getting it uh, day and date for both, which is great. Unfortunately for Switch owners, it doesn't look like that's the case unless their box art just didn't uh, leak uh, like the other two did. When the remasters released, there was some time in between it coming to Switch. Same thing with uh, the other Activision remaster, that being Spyro. So we could eventually see it come to Switch, but as of the time of release, it doesn't look like that's in the cards. Also, uh, Nintendo announced that there's going to be something happening on the 22nd for them as well. That being the ARMS DLC character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the latest fighter coming to the game, is going to be revealed via a 35-minute presentation hosted by game director Masahiro Sakurai. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Nintendo kind of set up expectations saying, you're only seeing the ARMS fighter, you're not seeing anybody else, so don't have any other expectations, you're just going to be going through who it is. Some people think it's Twintel, I think her name is. Uh, other people think it's the ARMS guy on the cover of the box, uh, Springy or whatever his name is. Sorry, I'm not familiar with the ARMS uh, game. This is interesting, though. 35 minutes for one character isn't unheard of for Sakurai to go over a character. Them setting up the expectations of it being the only subject talked about is very interesting. We also had to put into consideration the follow-up Pokemon announcement that's coming up on the 24th, which would be uh, the Wednesday following that Monday. We're still unclear of where Nintendo lies in terms of announcements and their fall, really. We have the rumors of the Super Mario 64 and Galaxy 1 and 2 and Sunshine remaster remake thing collection coming out. Still unconfirmed, still heavily rumored. I wonder uh, what Sakurai plans to do with this. 
Does he give a timeline of when to expect the next announcement? Is it solely focused on checking out this character? When does it release? Is it a shadow drop? That would be pretty dope. Do they give us a release date for the character? ARMS is interesting because it was a franchise, a new IP for Nintendo that didn't really hit the ground running in the same way a lot of their other IP does. I mean, they're far and above both PlayStation and Xbox in terms of valuable, recognizable IP. So having a miss like ARMS isn't too bad for them, obviously. But I wonder, you know, people have been speculating, does this ARMS DLC character lead to the eventual announcement of a follow-up sequel, right? Or is this kind of Nintendo's way of sunsetting the IP of being like, hey, ARMS, we gave it a go. Uh, we gave you your own game. That didn't work out. We'll put you in Smash because we want your history to kind of be, you know, involved in one of our most popular franchises. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there at that 35-minute presentation. I'll check it out. Not a super, a super, super Smash Brothers Ultimate guy. Played it, had a good time with it, but, you know, none of the DLC characters are pulling me back in. I'm more interested in the events that follow with Nintendo in terms of when do their next announcements come? When's the next DLC fighter announced? You know, what's their big fall game? Is it the Mario rumored stuff? Is it something else? There are speculation that we could possibly get the Gen 4 remakes for Pokemon this year or next. Is that their big thing for fall or maybe spring of next year? Who knows at this point? We're going to have to tune in and find out. But at least there's some sort of Nintendo news since we've already gotten some Xbox uh, stuff. The PlayStation 5 reveal event, obviously, that happened last week. And uh, yeah, we're just waiting for Nintendo to enter the ring this year in 2020. Interesting to see what they do moving forward. Next up, speaking of that PlayStation 5 event, we had some tweets that gave some follow-up information about a couple of the games, the biggest games for many people that were announced at that event. We had updates for both Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is a Lost Legacy-esque uh, 1.5 to Marvel Spider-Man that's supposed to be coming holiday 2020, presumed to be a launch title for the PS5. And we also had follow-up information on Horizon Forbidden West, which is obviously the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, Guerrilla Games' breakout open-world game starring Aloy. Let's get into these Miles Morales details real quick. This comes by way of uh, Insomniac, obviously. So it takes place a year after the first game, uh, Battle Around Miles' new home in Harlem, and uh, you're going to have a full story arc like Uncharted Lost Legacy. mentioned that before. Near-instant loading, ray-tracing, 3D audio, so taking advantage of all of those PS5 tech advancements from the PlayStation 4. So it's really neat to hear. 3D audio is one that I hope works out. That's the one that I'm most iffy on it being a gimmick. Ray tracing is going to be dope, especially with the lighting, with the snow, and just in general, you know, Miles has uh, that electrical kind of current ability with him that makes him unique from Peter Parker's Spider-Man. And uh, more of Peter's story to tell, which is interesting. So we presume this to be solely focused, or primarily focused anyways, on Miles, which it should be, obviously. But the more of Peter's story to tell, I wonder if we're going to see the beginnings of the Venom symbiote uh, kind of attaching itself to Peter or something happening with Peter where it, they're in a weird place because they can't expect everyone who's going to play the sequel to play this game, right? So the, the sequel is going to start in a place where people can, who played the first game, understand what's going on. But it'll probably also be in a place where if you play this Miles Morales game, you're going to have added context, right, and information to the whole situation going on. 
So I assume like with most comics, it's not going to directly target the plot of Spider-Man to Spider-Man 2, but I do think it'll give us some ancillary details and maybe some smaller events that when we're playing the sequel, we understand, okay, this is why Peter's doing this. This is why Miles is like this. And I think probably with the sequel, they wanted to have enough of a jump to where, here's the thing, real quick, no spoilers for any of the Spider-Man games. Well, I guess for the first one, um, and maybe not. Uh, so my assumption for the sequel, my idea of the way the story is going to play out, uh, and obviously this is a guess, I have no insider details or anything like that. I would assume that it's going to be a classic Venom story where Peter gets the symbiote attached to him. He starts kind of turning and not being himself and losing the personality of who he once was, which tears apart his relationships with Mary Jane and likely Harry Osborn and Miles as well, since Miles has been attached to him since the first game. And it would be a really interesting gameplay idea through storytelling if Peter slowly begins to be less useful in terms of fighting crime and he can't really go and help people in their time of need because he's dealing with psychological, emotional damage from the symbiote. But midway through the game, you know, maybe one third through the game, you slowly have to use Miles in place of Peter and you get to control Miles. And at first it's like, oh, cool, I get to control Miles in a, you know, a full-fledged Spider-Man game. But then you slowly start to realize that you're never going to go back, at least in this game, to using Peter. And Peter slowly becomes the villain of the game and Miles becomes the hero. So it's going to be marketed as a Peter game. You're going to play as Peter for a good part of it, but it slowly morphs into this game where you're playing as Miles. And I think in order to do that, you need to have a Miles who's confident in his powers and knows how to be Spider-Man and somebody that can actually stand up to Peter with the symbiote, right? With the Venom symbiote. So I think that they wanted to introduce this game, A, because they want something at launch for people to get the console, duh, business side of it. But from Insomniac storytelling, creative perspective, I think they want something to show people by the time two comes around. Miles kind of knows what he's doing with this whole Spider-Man thing. And he's not just shuffling around as like an idiot, right? Because at the end of the first game, he revealed himself to Peter that he had the powers and they started probably working on getting him up to snuff in terms of skill and comfort level with the Spider-Man abilities. So that would be my assumption is that, you know, this game is there to show that Miles is becoming a capable hero in and of his own right, which is super dope. If the experience is eight hours, I'm still in. If the experience is 12 to 15 hours, I'm all in. Just the idea that we're going to be able to control Miles in a video game is super cool. You know, Into the Spider-Verse is something that put him on the map in terms of mainstream. Uh, people who are following comics have known about Miles since his inception and have really fallen in love with the character, and he's become his own thing. At, at first, he was, you know, the, the black Spider-Man from an alternate dimension, yada 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 side story you know what i mean not necessarily side story but ancillary type stuff because people are so focused on peter but because of the great writers who they've been able to put with miles he's become his own character he's no longer oh spider-man from another dimension he's miles morales you know what i mean so i really love miles and i'm glad to see that he's getting his own uh you know standalone game so interested to see where that goes those story tidbits and additional details Harlem is a, is a cool choice, too, because it might be a new playground for us that we didn't really get to fully check out in uh, the first Spider-Man, right? A whole new district or, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. 
now we have follow-up details for Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, sorry, I was going to say for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Horizon Forbidden West, which they I love how they cleverly snuck the two into the logo in between the underlying text for Horizon. Really clever. Not in the actual title of the game from the press releases anyways, but it shows people when they look at it, oh, there's a two underneath. This is the second Horizon game, Forbidden West. Interesting way of putting it. So you don't have to necessarily name it as a sequel, but the branding of it, when people walk into the store, they see the two there, they know it's a sequel. So on top of the beautiful reveal it had at the PS5 event, here are some additional details we had via Gorilla Talks YouTube video. So we know it's going to be stretching from Utah to the to the to the Pacific Ocean, uh, which makes sense. Forbidden West, we're going west. Virtually no loading screens. This is something that's been advertised and pushed by Sony in regards to the PS5's extremely fast SSD. That's like the one thing they're focusing on is hey, we're going to reduce load times. Who knows where they're going to sit in terms of uh, power benchmarks with the Series X? But as far as we know, PlayStation will have faster load times. Uh, it's especially for first party titles, but look for them to probably have uh, even a, at a margin faster load times than the third party games on Series X. So virtually no loading screens makes sense. Bigger map than Horizon Dawn, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, hidden underwater areas. The underwater areas are something we saw shown off in the reveal trailer where Aloy comes across this sunken like casino or something. Bigger map is interesting. I know that a lot of people felt that despite it being fantastic and getting great critical response, that the overall landscape of Horizon felt a little too big, like they could have brought it in a little bit. So a bigger map, I wonder if it's going to come with more density to it or if it might just extrapolate some of the issues people had either way. Personally, I've never been upset about bigger maps in open world games. I know some people are hoping that, you know, with the next generation, they rein it in and go for detail over scope. Uh, but I'm as somebody who hasn't even played Horizon Zero Dawn, but I will play it before this game comes out. It's on my backlog. I want to see how that plays with people, the bigger map, uh, because for some people, great, more area to explore, right? For others, it's like, oh, that's another 15 hours I had to put into this title. Next up, there's going to be dozens of new, new machines. As somebody who's unfamiliar with the first game, from what I saw with people's reactions to the trailer, it seemed like the turtle robot or machine with the uh, biome on its back was new. Uh, other than that, I have no idea what other new creatures that they showed that were new, so I'm not even going to speculate on that. But it is cool for people who play the first game to have more diversity. You know, the concept of machine animals, when you first see it as a dinosaur, it's like, oh, that's cool. And we start getting into these other types of animals. It's just a neat concept for enemies in a game. And uh, yeah, it's why the IP itself caught people's eyes because it's such a really cool idea that at the moment you catch a glimpse of a robot T-Rex, it's just cool, right? So awesome to see dozens of new machines coming. And lastly, massive storms throughout the land. This is something uh, I'm also not familiar with as somebody who didn't play the first game. But I'm assuming that the storms affect enemy AI and how they react to the world and probably the, the your ability to traverse the land, right? I'm assuming storms make it more difficult, but that's just me assuming. And lastly, they said they're targeting 2021. I know a lot of people saw that and were like, yo, Horizon Forbidden West is coming out 2021. That's awesome. Remember, they said targeting. Video games are hard to make. We recently saw this is something I forgot to put in the news, 
But Cyberpunk 2077 received another delay going from its initial September date, while well, it's delayed September date, to now releasing on November 19th, which has people questioning is releasing day and date on Xbox Series X as well. What's going on there? There have been additional comments there from CD Projekt Red clarifying what's going to be happening at that date. But games are complicated. Even when you think everything's lined up perfectly, you may see delays, right? So they may be targeting 2021, and we don't even know if that's early or late, right? And if they come into some issues, especially with the whole situation with COVID-19 and quarantine, it could slip to 2022. Now, should that happen? Will it happen? Who knows? I would love if Horizon Forbidden West came out in 2021 because I'm likely buying a PS5 at launch for Miles Morales. Uh, hopefully there's other stuff, but that game is going to get me no matter what. Um, but if there's a follow-up game in 2021 that early, we assume maybe Demon's Souls remake is coming, but Horizon Forbidden West shooting for 2021 is very promising. If I was a gambling man and you said, hey, Jared, you need to put money on either Forbidden West coming out in 2021 or not coming out in 2021, and I had to make a bet, my gut would say not in 2021. But that's just me. You know what I mean? I could be totally wrong. This game could come out March of 2021 and surprise all of us that it's coming out that early. I just, the wording of targeting, they're doing that on purpose to let people know like, hey, we're shooting for that. That's not confirmed. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for Horizon Forbidden West. I haven't even played the first game and I'm excited. That shows you how great that reveal was. Personally, I wish there was actual gameplay in it. A lot of it seemed like, you know, rendered in-engine CG. Um, but I'm not the stickler for that type of stuff. I'm not the type of person who needs to see gameplay the time, you know, the moment a game's revealed. I think by your second trailer, that's definitely something you should do. But I'm all for having a snazzy, marketed up, you know, polished trailer to showcase your game. And uh, yeah, so look forward to Horizon Forbidden West, hopefully in 2021. But at this point, who knows? Now, let's get into EA Play. We're going to recap it. I'm going to give my reactions to it. A lot of stuff going on. Um, and we have a follow-up tweet from Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat talking about some information in, you know, the aftermath of EA Play. So they held their EA Play event. It was hosted by Kind of Funny's Greg Miller. He did a stellar job. I know, shocker. And it was a digital package thing. He he hosted the interstitials and it would cut to the actual game reveals or the developer interviews. And I thought it was really well done. My opinion, I think it was the best produced EA Play we've had. I know people are sticklers for EA Play being this and that and they don't like them. And they've had some events where they've had some cool announcements but the shows overall have always suffered from pacing or drawn out things that the hardcore gamer who tunes into E3 isn't really into. I think this one was really well paced for an EA play. Um, that being said, it still suffered from some of the stuff. You know, it started with Andrew Wilson coming out there and giving a really heartfelt and it seemed like sincere uh, statement about COVID and their work from home and Black Lives Matter and needing to do better of hiring inside of EA to make it more diverse. It was a really good message, obviously talking about video games and how they connect us and yada, yada, yada. But then they got into Apex Legends. And there was some really cool stuff that came out. So with Season 5, they talked about the, the next collection event, which is Lost Treasures. The collection events are these timed events that happen in Apex Legends where you can do certain stuff in-game. There's specific modes that go away. There's 
cosmetics that enter the game that are only available for those events for Lost Treasures. The theme is gold and like explorers. So think like Indiana Jones meets Mayan culture, that kind of vibe meets, you know, the wild Thornberries. Um, they announced Apex Legends is coming to Steam. The big announcement, Crossplay is coming this fall. And on top of that, it's coming to Switch in the fall. So hopefully this fall, you'll be able to play with your friends on Steam, Origin, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. It's coming to next gen. So we're hoping cross gen as well, right? So Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5. It's going to be everywhere, which is really cool. This is a feature people have wanted. The Apex Legends community has wanted for a while. I was bummed because I wanted a single player campaign, but you know, just like I've talked about wanting one for Overwatch, I think we're just at a point now where these games of service games, despite them introducing these characters and this lore and this world that's so intoxicating and enriching and interesting and, you know, fans just latch onto these characters. It just doesn't make business sense for them to, you know, work on a single player campaign on the side for it. I mean, I would love to be dead wrong. And Titanfall 3 actually ends up being a campaign solely focused on Apex Legends. Or they just release an Apex Legends single player. I don't need it to be some sprawling 30-hour epic. Even just like a six-hour campaign would be dope. A set single player campaign. That's all I ask. That being said, they moved on to The Sims. There was a community presentation about representation. It was really cool to see these people who come from different backgrounds, whether that be, you know, ethnically or religiously, or even if you're part of the trans community, the gay community. They were able to talk about how The Sims lets them play a life in which they're not judged on these things that, in reality, why should anybody be judged by who they, you know, decide to fall in love with, who... They are in terms of the, the color of the skin, all that stuff, right? So that was really cool. They talked about it releasing on Steam, and then that was pretty much it. Uh, next up, we had the Steam announcement. So we knew uh, Titanfall 2, A Way Out, Dead Space 3, and older titles are making their way over to Steam. This is something we talked about in the last couple of weeks. To me, this speaks a lot to Origin and maybe its lack of success. Maybe they weren't seeing people come over enough to justify having their titles exclusively on origin and they just understood how much money they were not losing, but like eating for not having their stuff on steam. And it seems like they're retracting that now and you can get their, your games on origin, uh, but you can also get their games on steam. It could be something in the back end with steam too, of like to combat the Epic game store of getting EA to bring their games over who knows, but I think it's really interesting they said that moving forward, they're going to commit to having their multiplayer titles have cross-play. Obviously, the first one for that is going to be Need for Speed Heat and Apex Legends this fall, as well as an EA original we'll get to later. And they also stated that seven new Switch releases will be coming in the next 12 months. This is pretty big, too, because EA has been kind of opposed to bringing their titles over to the Nintendo Switch despite its success. And now they're going to be bringing it over. We had Burnout Paradise, the, re uh, the remaster come out the day after this presentation happened and then obviously apex legends is coming over personally i want madden to come over this would never happen but i would love if madden came over with cross save so i could save between that and the xbox series x i as somebody who loves madden despite it you know having a lot of flaws i would love to be able to play it on the go and i'd like to 
and have those saves carry over for my franchise, but that's a pipe dream at this point. Um, next up, we have the EA Originals block. It's been a successful program for EA in terms of Outlook. Uh, they earn no money from these games. We've heard that from Joseph Ferris, who we'll get to shortly numerous times, that these are more, you know, they make so much money off of the Ultimate Team and the other sports stuff that they want to invest in these other games that give these creators a voice. And it's really cool. So Hazelight was up first. If you're unfamiliar, they did. It's the studio led by Joseph Farris. Uh, they made Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which is one of my all-time favorites. Check it out. It's an indie game where you control two brothers, each with their individual joystick. Very awesome concept for a video game. And the storytelling, though it lacks no vocal dialogue, is beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Highly suggest it. Their follow-up was A Way Out, which is this cool split-screen, inventive narrative with these two guys who are trapped in jail. I haven't had a chance to play yet. I own it. Just haven't gotten around to playing it yet. But Joseph Forrest is a really cool creator, so I'm not surprised that it got the... Uh, it wasn't overwhelming critical success, but people did enjoy it for what it tried to do with the medium. They announced their new game, It Takes Two. So it's a co-op action-adventure platformer. You play as two clay puppets made by a girl dealing with grief because their parents are splitting up. And it's going to have level-specific mechanics that, from what Forrest said, are tied to the emotions of the dolls. And it looks really beautiful. Supposedly coming next year in 2021, I am excited to see more of that. At first, it looked like a very artistic, hand-drawn art style, but that looked like concept art because they show the environments for the actual game and they look... They remind me a lot of What Remains of Edith Finch, that type of art style. So, excited to see It Takes Two and what happens there. I think he's just never going to get away from the co-op gameplay. I think that's just his thing as a director. He likes that and messing with that concept. So... It's cool to see that evolve over the course of his last two games, now into the third one for Hazelight. Next up, we had Zoink Games, who I believe developed Faye. Sorry, I didn't do the research before this. Pretty sure they developed Faye. Um, they unveiled Lost in Random. They said this game's a bit off, but what I will say is the art style for this game is incredible. It looks like a Tim Burton joint. It's Coraline meets Nightmare Before Christmas. Has all it actually also kind of looks like a double fine game as well, just a really weird, gritty, creepy tone to it. You play as this little girl who has a dice partner who's they described it as puppy like in its personality, and you're going through the world obviously trying to escape the world of random or at least the control of it. So, despite the world being called random, it's heavily controlled. And people don't have a lot of freedom. So, you know, you see the concept there with the dice rolling, taking risks. What's your luck? Can you escape and do something random, right? Fate isn't tied forever. You're not, you know, caged into fate. So really cool concept. It is a ways off, so don't expect it anytime soon. My assumption, It Takes Two is dated for 2021, right? Which is a year away. Lost and random, that means we can expect it the earliest 2022. That's being optimistic. Looked really cool, though. Excited to see it. Hopefully, we don't see it every E3 for years to come. But I am, it's piqued my interest. I'm excited to see what that final product ends up looking like. And lastly, earlier we mentioned the uh, crossplay titles. Rocket Arena by Final Strike Games is a Rockets only hero shooter. It's 3v3. Uh, it's coming out. In a month from now, it's coming out July 14th. 
I believe the price on it is $40. It's going to have crossplay at launch, which is really cool. For me personally, watching this, I was a bit burned out. Uh, these hero shooters, I think unless you're a big IP with a big publisher behind you, it's hard to get an audience. To me, a Rockets only shooter isn't something that intrigues me at all. Uh, it seems like it'd be something annoying. Hero shooter aspect is always cool, but it depends on how neat those abilities are and what the level scaling is in terms of skill. Um, I don't know. To me, this just seems like a game that's going to come out and then disappear, unfortunately, for the developers because they seem like they have a game plan and everything. And I'm not saying I hope they don't succeed. I wish them the best, and hopefully this game takes off, right, like a rocket. Uh, cough, cough. Um, but I just I do think we're entering a place where, you know, the oversaturation of these type of games is happening, and it's hard for the guys who aren't the big ducks to succeed. So we'll see what happens with Rocket Arena. Uh, next up, the big boy of the entire presentation, Star Wars Squadrons. They replayed the cinematic trailer uh, from a couple of days ago, which likely wasn't their intention, probably because of the leaks on the Microsoft Store and PlayStation a month ago. They were kind of, their hand was forced. So I don't blame them for that. But what I will say is it's a typical thing for EA where the, we see the same trailer at their show and the Xbox conference. It's just something that happens with them. Game, if you didn't know, is releasing October 2nd, 2020. We already knew that, but just, uh, you know, to clarify for people who may have forgot, it's going to have cross-play VR for the entire game. So if you want to play this game with either PSVR or your PC VR headset, you can play through the entire game with it. It was also confirmed on Twitter. This wasn't said in the presentation, but you'll be able to use a joystick as well on PC, which is pretty cool. They showed off the gameplay. Story mode has you playing as two pilots on both sides, that being the Rebellion and obviously the Empire. Um, there was a HUD explanation, a customizable cockpit, pilot, parts for your ship. The two big modes, or the only modes, are dogfight, which is like team deathmatch, but obviously with um, ships. And then the other one is Fleet Battle, which is you start with a dogfight, then you move on to destroy the two support ships, the like mid-sized support ships, and then you have to take out the big fleet ship for the opponent. Looks really cool. I mean, I'm not a... I guess, real quick, there's also a social hub for people before Fleet Battle where you can talk to your team and figure out your strategy, which is really cool. I'm not a flight sim guy or even just, you know, flight games in general doesn't do it for me. I really enjoy Star Wars, but I just this type of game isn't for me. What I will say is people who have been waiting for something similar to Rogue Squadron or these other, you know, flight Star Wars games are really excited and I'm happy for them. This game is only $40, which is really cool. I hope it lives up to people's expectations. I think that price point and people already knowing that this isn't a full-on experience will lessen the blow if it ends up not meeting expectations. But from everything we saw, the passionate developers behind the project, the scope of the game, I do think people will have a good time with it. So I, I really enjoyed the presentation. I think they killed it in the way they described the game, went through the modes, everything. I thought the presentation was awesome. The only gripe I would have is the interview at the beginning was a little long, but even then, it was some really cool tidbits about the game itself. So Star Wars Squadrons, if you're into that stuff, boy, do you have a reason to be excited this fall, October 2nd to be specific. Next up, this was a weird thing that I personally, actually, sorry, I skipped a part. They had the next gen EA Sports reveal hype video, which showed Madden and FIFA interstitial cuts of like real people and then like editing and then small snippets of gameplay. 
We actually still don't know specifically what next-gen Madden and FIFA will look like in comparison to the current-gen versions, but it was a nice little hype video. Also, it didn't take too long, so people who weren't into those sports games, I think it was like maybe 30 to a minute long at most, which generally those sports sections take up like a third of the EA presentation. Uh, I might be a little hyperbolic on that, but it's quite an amount that they usually take up, and I'm somebody who's into Madden, so uh, you know, long in the tooth for people even that are interested. Next up, I liked this. I know some people were kind of split, but they showed the future of gaming at EA, which were some early in development prototypes for next gen. They started with Need for Speed, or at least we assume that's what it is because they mentioned Criterion. And at first, I, I think most people thought they were real cars. Turns out they were models. If Need for Speed can come back on next gen and their next release hits the ground running and brings Need for Speed back to where it belongs, next to the Forges, next to the Gran Turismos as a leading racing franchise that would be really cool and you know i think criterion is learning from need for speed heat and taking it with you know a lot of criticism and learning what they can do better with the follow-up so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there then they showed i think people got confused that this could possibly be mass effect for those who are unfamiliar with dragon age this was very clearly dragon age footage or at least concept you know settings because there was a red lyrium everywhere. If you're not familiar with Dragon Age, red lyrium is like the, I don't want to say kryptonite of Dragon Age. Uh, it's very important. Um, if you want to go back and play Dragon Age, I don't want to spoil things for you. But the red crystallized rock, red lyrium stuff is very important to the entire narrative of Dragon Age. So that was very clearly Dragon Age 4. I'm excited. I want Bioware to return to their former selves. People were talking about, you know, Anthem 2.0 and, that team on that game is not very big, and I don't think they're doing it in a way to have a big splash like No Man's Sky. I honestly think they're just trying to save face and give the people who paid $60 something to have fun with. So um, I'm excited to see Dragon Age 4, though. And then lastly, they showed off DICE working on the next Battlefield game. And uh, yeah, you know, DICE is a front runner with the uh, Frostbite engine, and they know what they're doing, and they always have some of the best-looking games of Generations. And the uh, male model that they showed with his facial detail is incredible. And I can't wait to see what comes of that. Jeff Grubb gives some follow-up information about that uh, game, but uh, we'll get to that later. Lastly, they showed off Motive's next project, which is probably their main project. Seems like Squadrons was a smaller thing that EA wanted to get out while they still have the Star Wars license, at least exclusively. But they showed off this new IP. It looks like free running and parkour with like a jetpack and like force powers kind of. Um, force powers not necessarily Star Wars, but like being able to push stuff to, uh, like through like telekinesis or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really weird that they showed it that early. It looked very early on in development. It still had like the rigs and movement and stuff and all of this stuff looked early. But some people are split on this. Like, why are you showing us games that aren't really games yet? I appreciate it because it is teasing at next gen. And I think that's what companies need to do this year is tease next gen and give us a reason to be hopeful and optimistic. So I enjoyed it personally, but I get why some people might be bummed. The last thing announced skates back. They didn't call it skate Four, but we know it's really early in development. I haven't had a chance to catch the name of the studio behind it, but the two guys who worked on the original three skate games are back. Super excited. They mentioned comments are what made this happen which is kind of troublesome, but because you don't want to give power, right? To people who are just complaining or berating comment sections. At the same time, 
would EA have ever done this if people didn't comment? I highly doubt it. So the fact that the skate's happening is cool. Mention really early in development. Don't expect this for quite some time. But the silver lining here, guys, we'll get a skate game fully developed for next-gen consoles, which is really cool. And yeah, if there's any silver lining to that, that's that. Lastly, I wanted to cover this Jeff Grubb tweet that kind of clarified some stuff post-EA Play. So he tweeted, So yeah, Skate 4 has been in the works for a while, but it's always been in this, are we really going to do this limbo? My understanding is that this is them essentially starting over and obviously really going for it. He followed up in that thread by saying, with these bullet points, Battlefield 6 is modern, UFC is coming, EA is making a golf game of its own again, and Battlefield Bad Company remaster that I teased years ago got canned. And then he followed that up with, Mass Effect Remaster is coming this year. Bioware already said it's working on Anthem 2.0 and Dragon Age 4. Going through these real quick for me. Battlefield 6 being modern. Dope. Uh, UFC is coming. Duh, obviously. EA is making a golf game of its own again. Not surprising. Battlefield Bad Company Remaster. Canned. That hurts. I really like Battlefield Bad Company. Um, I think it's a sub-franchise of Battlefield that I think they should bring back because it brings you know, a bit of levity to the series itself. And I think because Battlefield as a mainline series has gone so far into telling personal, dramatic, serious, intoned stories that they do need something that brings a little bit of comedy relief. And Battlefield Bad Company was that. It still had its serious moments, but it did have those moments of levity as well. That's something I hope returns in the future, but the fact that they can to remaster leads me to believe that they have no interest in bringing that sub-franchise back. And lastly, Mass Effect Remaster is coming out this year. Sorry, Jeff, I'm not going to believe you until they announce it. Um, not, you know, Obviously, I think he's probably dead on with his information because it's Jeff Grubb, right? He posts up for VentureBeat all the time. That ends up being correct. But it's just, man, at this point, I can't believe it until it actually happens. Uh, so we'll see. we'll see what happens. Um, in terms of what I've played, pretty much a lot of the same guys, uh, you know, Animal Crossing, I've talked about it numerous times. That's just a daily, weekly thing that I stop in and check out. And, uh, on top of that, I would say Call of Duty Warzone, been playing season four of that, really enjoying it. Um, you know, I, I, I play that game because I have a lot of fun with friends. I, I enjoy the gameplay. I enjoy the moment-to-moment action of Warzone, but I mostly just play it because it's a good time with friends and it's our, you know, battle royale of choice. Other than that, I'm going to be playing Last of Us Part 2. I have that pre-downloaded on my PlayStation right now and I also have the Pokemon DLC to get to, which I'm really excited about. But other than that, I haven't really been playing too much that I can think about. Um, I doubt I'll be able to get this stuff into the podcast, my impressions of those two things, before this comes out but look forward to those next week when hopefully dom's back or maybe even a guest and i'll have my impressions for you guys on those that's been it for this week's show thank you guys for listening to the controlled interest Gamecast. if you can please go over to youtube search controlled interests will pop right up hit the subscribe bell if you like the hit the subscribe button sorry if you like the podcast hit the bell if you want to know when we upload the podcast every week because youtube sub boxes you just can't trust him Uh, And hit the like button on those videos because it helps us get into the algorithm of YouTube and more people see it. And the more people that see the show, the bigger it gets and the better it gets. And we thank anybody who listens to it on a weekly basis. 
because we know we don't have a huge audience, but we have people that listen and that's all that matters really. And uh, yeah, if you can go to Twitter, follow me at Jared underscore Dom, who's not here this week. You can follow at Dom's Oreos and the show you can follow at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's controlled interest abbreviated. Tweet at all of the podcasts, all of that good stuff. I have been tweeting a lot of stuff um, here and there, uh, video game related, non-video game related, obviously, you know, uh, everything going on in the world right now, there's plenty to say. And not only that, there's plenty of things that are being said by other people to listen to. So anyways, if you also want to listen to us on Spotify, we're there as well. And lastly, iTunes, leave us a review. We have one five-star review, whoever did it. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. If anybody else who listens can go over and do the same thing, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'm not just saying that, you know, it. I, I, I find how hard it is to go and review things. And I know somebody just saying, hey, can you go review this? It's not that you have ill intentions of not doing it, but, you know, it's just another thing. But if you find it in your time uh, to be able to do that, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys once again for listening to episode 194. We'll be back next week with some more video game news. Hopefully some Crash Bandicoot 4 details and uh, whatever this DLC fighter is for Smash that comes from ARMS. See you guys then. Bye.